Oh, behave. Oh, behave. Oh, baby. baby. I think we're never going to get good at this. Ba- oh, baby. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, it. baby, behave. There was a part where he's talking like a southerner, right? Yeah, that well, inexplicably. Trucker hat on. There's a part where Dr. Evil goes full trucker hat. Yeah. When you hear the phrase, Dr. Evil goes full trucker hat, you know you're listening to When Will It End? It's a film podcast. A movie podcast? A film podcast? What do you think? Uh, uh, a movie podcast. A movie podcast. We're two salt-of-the-earth common man Joe types. One, uh, we're not watching. We're watching movies on Voodoo, first Voodoo of all. Voodoo and Google Play. Yeah, those are, those are, that's the everyman platform. And Netflix. Um, we're not we're, watching things on Criterion Collection's upcoming streaming service. That replaces Filmstruck. We're not using Mubi, which sounds a lot like voodoo. voodoo. What is wrong with people? I don't know. I imagine Mubi. there's just like a factory full of like idiots with with expensive college degrees who think of horrible names for stupid corporations. Yeah, and Voodoo and Mubi are like two of my least favorite. Everything is very just woo, like reverse straw. I think it's this like corporate culture of like everything's cute because we're all babies. Right. Like the world is burning. Like the streets are flowing with blood. The wealth disparity just expands. And they're like, come watch a movie on voodoo. On voodoo. I'm kind of doing a Dr. Evil. Dr. Evil. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Dr. Evil has changed. In so many ways. But he's we've seen him change. And and you know why, Charles? Because this podcast is where two men, I think that's fair to say. Yeah, I don't think it's important. But it's a part of the show. I, I think we kidding. bring a male it's gaze very important. to, you know. I was kidding. It's important. Right. I mean, we joke a lot. We make sometimes politically incorrect statements, but it's because we're highlighting that. And when I said it isn't important that we're men, it actually is important that we're men. So, you know, please don't add us. No, you can add us. Oh, add us. Okay, do add us. Yeah. I don't know what that means. It's a thing. What, I know it's a thing because you just said it, but I don't know what it means. Like on Twitter, like come after people on Twitter, like going at you, like direct messages. Can you only people. add? negatively i feel like you could i feel add like me. the vibe of if you're adding someone it's usually because they're getting canceled oh i was gonna say like if i make you horny baby at me that's true that sounds nice that we are both i don't want to speak for your we are i believe both monogamous relationships like austin powers one and yeah he never really i feel like he wanted it in two but he lost his mojo right but so then he, he had it the whole his, time but what I'm saying is, Charles, we've seen Dr. Evil and Austin Powers change because our podcast is about watching movie series where we start with the series. first movie. We see the world it creates and in subsequent sequels and follow ups. We see how the world expands, how it may contract, when it starts to get tired and at what point we want to ask, when will it end? And this is our second series, which has now been two Mike Myers series in a row. And he did break us finally with uh, the spire shagged me. I think that's a movie we both disliked profoundly. Yeah. And uh, we were both asking, like, man, is there any way that the third in the trilogy doesn't just drag us further into this mire of like exhausted jokes and relentless dehumanization? And I don't want to speak for you, but I was pretty delighted by Goldmember. The the only one of the series I saw in the theaters in 2002 when it came out. Oh. I really liked Goldmember. <laughs> this is my first time watching it, and it might have been after a delirious day. Uh, might have been because of the beautiful meal. I don't know what, but it really it it I think it accomplished something that the first two movies did not. And I finally felt like this world was a place where I maybe didn't belong, but I enjoyed watching it from afar. 
Well, okay, we talked about this in the last episode, but if the, if the spy who shagged me feels like this, like, masturbatory spiking the football, I'm on top of the world, baby, kind of like, oh, my God, it's just it's just too much. It's not funny. They drag out these bits over and over again. Goldmember somehow threads the needle and has all of the weird excess of the second movie, but goes back to that spark of the first movie where it seems like Myers is having fun again in a way that does feel surprisingly fresh. Yeah. And we've talked a lot about this, but... Both Austin and Dr. Evil are so inconsistent. And I think Dr. Evil in this one just spirals off into madness. <laughs> and they bring back Fat Bastard and Mini-Me. And you're like, okay, God, you know. And then they bring in a new Mike Myers creation, the titular gold member. Who I can only assume was played by Mike Myers. Uh, that Yes. Okay, both, I mean, I never even bothered to check to or ask. Myers' is credit, both you and Allison had multiple questions about who was playing Fat Bastard and who was playing Goldmember. I never asked any of these questions. These are all Allison questions. No, Allison asked about Fat Bastard. You definitely were unsure about Goldmember. For oh, yeah, I was unsure. I right. never asked you. Though. I kept okay, it fine. You didn't vote. I kept it a secret. How did you even know? Because you just said it on the podcast. Right, but it was a secret. What I'm trying to say is that Myers just dissolves into these characters, and I I want to say that for a third movie, you're like, okay, where do we go with this? Right. And with the character Goldmember, he launches in a new direction that is so unexpectedly bizarre and works. It like totally works. Where yeah. Another Mike Myers thing where he's like, Dutch people are funny. And to normal people, we're like, I never think about the Dutch. How could that be an archetype that could be explored for anything? I think about the Dutch sometimes. What, and what's the context for those thoughts? Well, there was this one time when I was a child and... My grandmother and I and my two siblings and my mom, probably not my dad. because you know. Anybody else involved? Do you wanna... Well, there is one more person involved, but that's later in the story. Okay. I don't think my dad was there because... When was he there? Exactly. Great. I mean, that's Just to berate you? I was going to say, yeah. To, uh, Tell you yeah. it would be anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He did, I think, did prepare you for a life of disappointment. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, and you know, it was my mom's mom, so... They and what's her name? Say it. They didn't really get Mummy Shoe. I love it when you say Mommy Shoe. No, Mummy Shoe. Mommy Shoe. I love it when you say Mommy Shoe. Mommy Shoe. Mommy Shoe. Mommy Shoe. Mommy Shoe. Do you think if you if your face was pressed into Heather Graham's breast, you'd go, Mommy Shoe? No, I'd probably say, my face is stuck in your jibblies. I think it's jubblies. Jubblers. Jubblers. It's jubblers. Yeah. Baby. Anyway, um, we were all at Friendly's, the pretty big New England. Has it? Is it beyond New England? It has shrank significantly since our childhood, and it definitely is just New England. It's really bad. I was going to start another podcast without you, sadly. I've I mean, only started would, like two without you. So I'd I guess. love to have you a part of this, but it was going to be called Waiting to Eat at the Watertown Friendlies because I went there once. This is a different story. I'm now in another story, just so you know. We'll get back to the first story about the Dutch later. If, uh, was, if you're listening, I would say go put the kettle on. Go put the kettle just on. Just leave this playing. Come back and like, I'm what I'm assuming will be 15 minutes. No, 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 just two. Okay. Three, two or three. Uh, we spent three hours at the Watertown Friendlies from start to finish. It took an hour and a half to get seated and then another hour to get our food. That is uh, far too long to wait for <laughs> very mediocre to bad food. So we, but we were having fun. It was friends. We, one guy was in town. We haven't seen him in a while. But they were literally so understaffed. And it wasn't even busy. There were maybe like eight tables eight tables eating and they had used the entire back section as a place for dirty dishes and the the staff was just completely overwhelmed but there were so many of them i don't know what was happening maybe there were no cooks i i love when you 
Well, it's it's kind of it's macabre, but I've been in restaurants that are fully melting down a few times, and it is kind of incredible to watch the social order of a restaurant just dissolve yeah. as people get more and more furious, and the staff gets both like more nihilistic and more panicked at the same time. Right, it's just amazing. And there's so many drugs. I, I feel like everyone I work with is on Adderall or weed or alcohol or something. They're all just like drugged out of their mind. It's really fun to watch them from that perspective. But it's sort of like when you're in high school. Sorry. This is a third story, but it's going to be very short. We finished this, the second no, story. We're, we're, this is like Inception. We're just like this slowly going through stories, but we'll erupt back in a scene that's really going to be beautiful. Okay. So I just feel like when I was in high school, I didn't really realize that a third, probably like an eighth to a third of my classmates were high in some way or not sober in some way during the school day. And now looking back and I was like, oh, of course that dude that pierced his ear in home ec making pancakes was probably fucked up on something. <laughs> yeah, I, I certainly went to school drunk and high pretty thoroughly as as it went on. Yeah, I never did that. And I never really even think that other people would do that. I was a very naive little boy. <laughs> okay, so I'm assuming that's the, the that vignette is done. That vignette's done. We're coming back up to waiting to eat at the, the Water Drum Friendlies. That's done. Okay. So anyway... We, all the people that I mentioned earlier, we were all at the Watertown Friendlies. Yeah. No, we weren't. We were at the Freeport Friendlies in Maine. Sorry, we got I'm your still, mom. We I'm got Mommy Shoe. Mom, Mommy Shoe, Philip, and Anne at the time, now Andy. So I, I think I would probably call her Andy, even though back then she was Anne. Okay. Sure. Uh, me. Charles Hobby. So we ate. It was fine. Probably pretty good, considering I was a little boy. Love those, like, shit food places. Ice cream, I'm sure we got. My grandmother, who is French, but has a very strange accent, which I think sounds more Dutch than anything. She says to the waiter, because we were upstairs, but there was no clear, they weren't coming around. So she, Can I guess what she said? Let's hear what she thinks. She said. I love gold. <laughs> she, <laughs> she didn't say that then. Okay. That is one of her timeless phrases. She says it before bed. She oftentimes says it after like a sandwich time, you know, when you lay out the meats and the hams and the cheeses. Of course. Sandwich you, time, as we all know. Sandwich yes. time. Maybe you don't have sandwich time. Maybe it's a French tradition. Well, I'm I mean, not sure. I grew up in a, a kosher home. We were not I'm laying sorry. out hams and cheeses. Boy, you have deli meats. Yes. Jewish delis are a thing. Sure they are. So just not hams, but you'd have no your hams. roast beasts. You'd have your chicken. You'd mm, have your turkey. Pastrami. Pastrami. Copa, Copa, Copa Cabana. A little bit of corned beef. Corned beef. A corn lot of corned beef. Corn uh, she says to the server, and I'm going to say it in English, or she said it in English. I'm going to say it without the accent. She said, do we pay here or do we pay downstairs? But what came out of her mouth was, do we pay here or downstairs? <laughs> and so the waiter obviously was like, excuse me? And then so she repeated, do we pay here or downstairs? And obviously that went on and on. Until Mummy Shu left furious and called the place Meanies until today. And here we are. So sometimes I do think about the Dutch because I think my grandmother's accent is less French and more Dutch. So watching Mike Myers. As gold member. As gold member. Like I had little flashbacks of Mummy Shu prancing through the kitchen saying bastard because she does say that. She calls me a bastard when we play board games. I don't want to get too intimate here, but are you legally a bastard? I mean, as far as I know, no. Okay. But, you know, my parents' marriage was pretty rocky, even from the start. So. 
Well, it's interesting that we're talking about bastards and dubious right. parentage. Yeah. Because, you know, I don't want to jump to the end of Goldmember here, but certainly as fans of the series, and again, if you've not watched the first two Austin Powers movies, I would I don't know if I'd just run out to do it, but... You know, if you're trying to get the, a real taste of it from us, the masochists who watched all three in a single day, I highly recommend that you, uh, you know, not do that. Yeah. But um, we do learn a lot about the characters and the powers verse in this movie. Right. And I wanted to ask you two questions. One is we finally meet the father of Austin Powers, Nigel Powers, played by the inimitable Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Always goes down. His voice never goes up. It's always going down. What I like about this movie is that he so rarely, as an elder statesman actor, gets to play a weird jackass who's running around being That's a jackass. That's true. Actually, so was really him, fun. Yeah, after like so many Alfreds and Interstellars and... And early in his career when he was playing Cold War spies. Right. I mean, the, like the Ipcris file. Yeah. If you go out and see one movie from us talking, go see the Ipcris file. Yeah, Amazing movie. Yeah, he was always the quiet, sad spy. Yeah, he's getting, like, tortured, and it just sucks, and he's just yeah. like, this sucks. Oh, this sucks. This Blimey. Sucks. He does get mad sometimes. I can't do that part. It's very hard. He gets mad sometimes. Right. But it's always still The, the Michael Caine accent is like spaghetti and meatballs, where it's it's sort of, it's like a standard, but if you fuck it up, everyone knows it. Yeah. And it's got two parts. <laughs> he's got spaghetti, quiet, and, and meatballs. Meatballs. Loud. Loud. So yeah, we, and through the nose. We, uh, this movie has one running joke that we both died at, where repeatedly in Austin Powers' life, his father is absent, and it's always at a big public event, and the crowd always loudly laughs and mocks Austin Powers, and it'll always cut to the same old man going, ha, ha, like Nelson in The Simpsons. And what I thought was amazing is that in the first one, I want to know what you thought about this, he gets knighted after yeah. capturing Dr. Evil, and he's up there, like, presumably in Buckingham Palace or whatever. And he's like, I don't know. My daddy's not here. And everyone's just laughing at him. Yeah. I was like, is this like a dream? Is he having a nightmare? No. I didn't that is think just that. the reality of the movie. It was just, it's so played up and so bizarre and yeah. cruel. It, and it's so funny. So when they flash back to his, his father also missing his high school graduation and they do it again, I died. It was really good. Really good joke. And it's it's true. Like, the I believe that's how much. So I was thinking, do we call this? The Powers verse or the Austin Powell verse? That's terrible. The Austin, How about the verse who shagged me? The verse who shagged me? No, let's we'll stick to the Powell, okay. Powers verse. Uh, the pod who cast me, that's it. The pod who cast me? Yeah, that should no, be. No, that's uh, bullshit. No, it's good. That's awful. It's pretty Jesus good. Jesus Christ. I kind of like it. Austin Powell verse is better than that. It's You can't even say your own bad idea. Austin Powell verse. Yeah, uh, I think the world they create is so believably out of control that when a whole host of people start laughing at Austin Powers because his dad isn't there, like I believe that was actually happening. So I think that's one thing that this movie's finally doing is making a world where it's so elaborately out of control that I believe in it. Finally. Well, and this one starts in such a way. This one really gets going. Yes. With Let's an talk elaborate about this. Mission Impossible 2 tribute. Wait, you know the years. When did Mission Impossible 2 come out? It must have been in, within a year of that. That's what I thought. Yeah, because the first movie's what, 97 or 98? Yeah. The Palma one. And then two must have been 2001. Yeah. And this starts with Gwyneth Paltrow and Tom Cruise as, uh, you know, what. Uh, uh, it like literally looks like the same. 
location. Yeah, from, I mean, from the opening of Mission Impossible Two, whatever spot in Utah or Nevada they shot that is the same spot, and we're like, this looks like Mission Impossible Two, and then it cuts to Tom Cruise as Austin Powers. And by the way, Tom Cruise, to his credit, he is dialed in all the time. He's a great Austin Powers. He's a great Austin Powers. You're watching this, and it's like. You know what? I'm actually buying this. Yeah, yeah and he's and, and he doesn't do the voice, which is amazing. Right. He goes, "It's oh, the behave. works," and it's he just <sighs> nailed. It's great. I it's got so a little I, we horned had this up. Game, yeah, we had this game while you're we watching it in the very first first movie. If we got horny, we were supposed to tell the entire room that we were horny. Right, because the, the whole thing fingers. about the series is that it's the horniest series. It is the horniest. Well, I guess American oh, no. Pie is there's pretty horny. By the way, that's on the list. That's on the list. We there's got like a lot on the list, guys. That's Eugene Levy's entire retirement. You know, savings come. I didn't from. even know he was in that. I've He's, never seen... He is in all of them. This was a, this is another series that I was too good for. Sure, because they came out what early two thousands. Yeah, even late nine. I don't late even remember. 90s, early 90s. when I was in high school. Sure, I was too good for things when I was in high school. Well, I would say if Sean William Scott's Godfather is uh, Dude, Where's My Car? His Godfather Part Two is the uh, American Pie series. The whole series is is his Godfather. Stifler too. is at least in the first few, I think. We'll save it. But no, so we're, we're saying it's a horny series. When they cut to Tom Cruise in full Austin Powers gear, I got a little wet. I got a little hard. Yeah. Allison, I think, was looking at her phone. I don't think she is as enamored of Tom Cruise. Most straight men in America do constantly fantasize about Tom Cruise. That's probably true. I think that's a reality. I don't think you have any uh, evidence for it. But I can't speak, based on your own I can't speak to life. any other community, but as a straight American man, I think... The kind of fetishized action star he has become, because he's a little bit more, he's smaller and a little more, I don't know, you you worry about him more than a Bruce Willis, I would say. Sure. Like Bruce, you know, he's covered in blood, there's glass just popping out of him and bullets ricocheting around him, but he's like, you know. You sort of want him to die. Right. And he's not doing it for you. Tom is a little beautiful elfin man, and you just want to take care of him. But he's also a big elfin man. He's like the elf that all the other elves make fun of. He's king of the elves, but it's still smaller than a human. I don't even think he'd be elected. You think, but that's he's a not, king. He's not. You don't elect a king. I he think, was born into the role. I think he'd very quickly be either the one that people laughed about and didn't respect, and then waited for the next one, or they would just get. I mean, his body's like. He's not like a Legolas elf. He's got a very burly shoulder. I'm a little confused because you brought up him being king of the elves. You said king of the elves. You said he was like a leader of elves. I did not. You said that. Okay. Jesus Christ. Long story short, I everyone loves would... everyone loves Tom Cruise. He's Except king, for the elves. He's king of the elves. I don't think the elves would like him <laughs> very much. Well, yes. Okay. So this movie starts like with a, a Hollywood parody spoof. Of Austin Powers. It bookends the film. Which is, okay, I would say the reveal at the end, again, there's, there's a few big reveals. When they reveal who's playing Goldmember in the Hollywood movie version, and it's John Travolta, I was like, this is a fucking great movie. Yeah. They got Travolta to dress up as Goldmember. That's legit crazy. I think Nicolas Cage would be a little better, but I do, like, honestly, maybe not. I don't know. John Travolta is such, like, a... he's. He's not doing that much that I can think of that like having him even back then I think he was sort of not really all that popular. Okay, here's the thing. I could Nick Cage doing Goldmember is way too believable. Right. I could actually see him too... doing a really terrifying Goldmember. But Travolta like, so what are we saying here? We want the person that's not going to be good because I feel like I, I think Tom a... Cruise was fucking awesome as Austin Powers. But, but the same level of miscasting that makes that a great choice makes mm. Travolta a great choice for I see Goldmember. I you're saying. Right. Yeah. So he would be not the gold member that we know. The sole the, connection like, weird, is that yeah. gold members from the 70s where disco was big. They're like, well, okay, we'll get a John Travolta, the disco Yeah, he guy. looks good in those pants. Right. Yeah. 
So, okay, so this movie is great because... Wait, we haven't talked about Danny DeVito as Oh, yeah, oh, my God. Okay, so we were talking about the, the trailer, again, to date this a little bit. The trailers for Tim Burton's Dumbo have emerged. And every line that they've shared of DeVito in the two trailers <laughs> is DeVito in classic. Like, like Dumbo flies by and it's like, holy shit, an elephant! That's his thing. I mean, we were talking about Mars Attacks. He's just like, oh, my God, it's Tom Jones. Right, like the, like, the DeVito we love. Thing. He shows up and just screams whatever is happening, and it's amazing. <laughs> and, it's then, so and then the the eerily well-cast Kevin Spacey as Dr. Evil, which yeah. uh, from this vantage point is, you know, uh, like it scans. We know him to be a, a monstrous man. Yeah, it works. But I think we were talking about the Danny DeVito thing before this happened. I, see this is, I, I do think that Austin Powers maybe is a real time traveler and just spent the day with us where like everything we've done, everything we've talked about has happened after we've talked about it. I mean, we, we requested more of time travel and more whatever. And the second one that happened, we requested a little, we talked about Danny DeVito screaming in the car. Suddenly he's screaming, it's me, mini me. And then he shoots a gun in the movie. So this, this movie, even though they were all over the place, they really did match what we wanted. No, it, it is bizarre. And I guess, like, it's funny because, in a way, this is the most Spike the Football opening ever, where all these A-list stars are here. He does a fucking number with Britney Spears, who then he destroys yeah. as a fembot, who then appears in the credits to try to fuck Mini-Me, which is amazing. Yeah, like, she, truly amazing. her career was good at that point in, and in st- time. Still and she's still, she's trawling through this, like, trashy movie. It's yeah. great. So, even more than two, this is like, everyone wants a piece of this. The female lead is Beyonce Knowles. It's demented how big that this franchise had become yeah. by the third movie it's really weird that's i think one of the fun parts not not to make you know we, we made a good we made a good podcast that's a fun thing to look at is like to watch the the total just weird like that happened in real life that beyonce kissed mike myers because the, she wanted to be in i mean they must have asked her but like she she's a powerful person and she's choosing to be in this shitty spy and, movie and, and being an actress is like what the third or fourth thing on her resume. I mean, she's not like constantly acting. She's, you know, a cultural symbol, a singer, a producer. I'm sure she has, you know, some sort of branding going on. It's such a great, bizarre, bizarre choice. And I want to give it to her, Beyonce. You are the best powers girl. Best of the entire series, without a doubt. The best powers girl. Oh I would God. rank in order. Uh, uh, what she? So we have Foxy Cleopatra. Great name. Great name. Number two, we'll go back to Vanessa Kensington. Sure. The great Elizabeth Hurley, a.k.a. Posh Spice. And in a distant third... I don't even consider her to be a powers girl. She's almost not in the movie. She's she's not Other a than highlighting her breasts the entire film, Heather Graham yeah. is hardly a presence in The Spy Who Shacked Me. So, yeah, she's great. That's the thing. This movie really brought it... Because the second one also came out screaming. But this is such a different way to just, like, charge into a movie. The first one... The, sec- the second one was, like... He like was literally screaming, "Yeah, baby, yeah!" Just like from the get go, they're like, "I'm single now, horny baby." Just saying words that didn't make sense. And this is like also a fucking in-your-face start, but it's like it's so weird and it's playing with your expectations. Like it, I feel like it's even taking a step back at the same time as running forward. It's really cool. Yeah, I think they're sort of, and this is the series. They know now what's working, what's not working. 
and how to like really engage with this character and this world. And one of the things that I think in every movie I really like are the the abrupt the editing in this when it works is so funny when they, when they just like launch between things so sharply. And in this, the pacing of the first few minutes is so nuts. And I love that we cut to Hollywood. Doctor Evil's back with the crew, number two, Frau What's-Her-Name, an increasingly bald Scott Evil who's trying to take over the family business. And by the way, if he really helms the evil side of this in Austin Powers 4, I would be delighted. I love Seth Green in these movies. What's he been up to lately? Lord knows. Yeah, I don't know if he's still, like, he's charming because he's looks like a high schooler, I think. Yeah, and he is getting on. Maybe he's actually bald now. We'll, we'll find out in Austin Powers 4, which as you told me before the record. As of November... It's looking good. November 2018. Again, just to put a little bit of a flag on this. It's, right. But we can date that. We can date Because it. that happened. It's been months since that was announced. But right. very exciting. Um, but no, so Dr. Evil's like, I've got a devious new plan. No one can stop me. He's immediately stopped. Great. Instantly stopped by Austin Powers. He's put in a high security system, prison thing. And it turns out Austin Powers' his father's been kidnapped. Austin Powers goes to confront Dr. Evil. And one of my favorite dumb jokes of the entire series, they're talking between this like thick plexiglass door wall thing. It's it's like Magneto's prison in, in the yeah. X-Men movies. And they're talking through this like thick door. And towards the end of the scene, Dr. Evil just presses on the door and just swings open. It was a good joke. It's so funny. It was a good joke. Lots of little good jokes like that. Yeah. And I think it works because, as we've said before, even in the second one, Mike Myers is aware of his body and he knows how to use it. So, like, the door opening on its own, but then he scampers around like a little weirdo as a Dr. Evil and it's it's just really he, he just, perfect. He closes the door for himself, his and back's it, back into his cell. It's so funny. Yeah, it's good stuff. Good it's stuff. good. So yeah, the self awareness that into they tried out in two, I think it's a lot better in this. I, yeah. I think it, it's it's. I also they take it so much, like they go back to the seventies for like a fucking minute. Right. <laughs> like, it's like they don't even pretend to really go anywhere with it. Yeah. There's like a pimp car and he dresses like in a big fur coat. And, yeah, it's New York this time. Yeah, they're in like the you know, Andy Warhol's factory style right. thing, but it, it just it's just like it's very silly and light and. I think the second one had like a sourness to it, and this one doesn't feel sour. Right. Let's talk about that because yeah. we do have the two recurring characters that I was – it wasn't funny to watch them beat up and call names and drag around Mini-Me. He gets some of that, but what it does work for is he is realizing that they don't respect him in the evil organization, so he turns sides. And I think this movie – and then the and then the fat bastard, he's – It's like, just fat bastard. But – you keep oh, saying yeah, the fat. Keep... It's it's you, you add this gravitas to his name. I don't know. It's I sort of feel like it's a Batman thing where I, like I hate calling him the Batman. You can call him the Bat. I can. I am the Bat. That's pretty. Wait, is there a comma? I is am that the always bat. what it is? Ellipses. Ellipses. Man. Hmm, cool. I am the Bat. Parenthetical. Man. I think it's because. I consider him to not have a name, so Fat Bastard is a descriptor, so I would, it's like the Fat Bastard, like not or a Fat Bastard even. But you're saying there's more humanity to I mean, it. Anyway, the, I'm not, you're just getting me derailed by this stupid name, but I guess that's fair. It is fair. All's fair in love and podcasting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, my point was that <laughs> Mini-Me, disrespected without remorse in the first, second one, Fat Bastard similar the third one they both are initially shat upon 
But it, what it does is shows that they shouldn't, we shouldn't do that to them. And even though he, yeah, it's just like, it's it's not dehumanizing them. I actually felt some humanity from both characters in this one. Okay, well, entertainingly, I would say the mini-me being savagely beaten in this movie is hysterical. Yes. I loved it. But again, there's just enough agency in both of those characters' parts where we see their lives a little bit outside of those like right. things where like they're more fully realized. And in the second movie, they're just the most, the flattest, like, just abuse targets ever. And in this one, while they are thoroughly abused, there's like enough of a humanity to them that we get more of a sense of who they are where it doesn't feel quite as throwaway. But everyone's abused in these movies and I think that's what was problematic in the second one was that, yeah, they didn't have any humanity. They had no backstory. They were props. Where here, like, you really get into he's sad little man and he's just, he wants to be loved and he feels discouraged by the way he's treated by this boss and his supposed father figure friend. And then the fight scenes where he's getting pummeled by Mike Myers, it like becomes more of a slapstick routine rather than like literally throwing a doll around like it was in the second one. Like it became more like, you know, a, a two stooges routine. Well, even we or, see him like reacting like, no, I'm okay. Or, like we see those little moments where like people at least ask how we like, they, like re- respond to him like a person. Right. And he apologizes <laughs> because of the miscommunication. Like it isn't right. like that was in the scene where Mike Myers is beating up or Austin Powers is beating up mini me. It's not because he's a little rag doll that they can piss all over it's because he thinks he's a bad guy and, and kill they, him. they flash back to when he deceived him in a previous movie and kicked him in the face yeah so yeah. and then but afterwards they become friends he dresses up like austin powers he's very cute it's amazing i would say and that sort of weird either the, of his the face makeup the pallor of his skin or the face makeup does make him look like a tiny corpse which is not <laughs> yeah they use too much white makeup yeah. i think i don't know why they needed any I, it's a bizarre choice. The visual is very strange. Yeah, and the glasses looked very good on him. The glasses are great. Yeah, yeah. So it was uh, it was a very nice change. And then and then the fat bastard has little speeches about himself. I think, or I don't know. He just felt way more real. And he loses weight at the end, but not because he needed to. Just because he felt like that was the right thing to do. I don't know. I don't think we need to dig too deep into Fat Bastard, deep. but I, I think even the fact that like he's they they go to Tokyo and part of their quest to track down you know what the Doctor Evil's new Insidious plot is with Goldmember, and we run into Fat Bastard as a sumo wrestler, and it's kind of nice that they like harness his size and girth to like an actual practice or culture or something where he's not the outlier in the room, but he's part of something, and this is like an insane level of looking into the humanity of Fat Bastard, but I do like that we sort of see him like finding a community or a home for his unique talents. Yeah, it's and nice. I, and he comes to the, the screening at the end, so he's like not vilified anymore. I think he finally also realizes that. He could be doing better. Yeah. And he, he has a little night. He's, it's, it's just nice to see that there's a person in there rather than just a fat man that gets made fun of. Yeah. So. Now, it, there, there is a new character in these movies who is ridiculed for a physical oddity. But. Wait. It's a, oh. Fred Savage. Oh, that's as the, the mole. mole. <laughs> but that's, I mean, yeah, that's funny. That's that, just that funny. Shit is amazing. That's just funny. It's so good. So the the, the Doctor Evil has a new employee who turns out to be a mole for the British secret intelligence. But he has a he mole. He has a large mole on his face. It sounds like something that should not work and does not have a lot of mileage in it. They manage to drive across the country on a very, <laughs> very flimsy premise. I think the scene where it was it Mini Me or Austin Powers who like scratch I think it was Mini Me scratches no, no, at his no, face no, with a stick. Does. It's yeah, hysterical. It's like, it goes to such extremes 
And Bo- both evil and powers are b- attempting to restrain themselves from drawing attention to the mole. And it is so funny. It felt like Peter Sellers. Like that felt like a classic Peter Sellers kind of like yeah. Clouseau And thing. Fred Savage is perfect in it. Where he, he's just as like, a foil, he is amazing. He's just like the only normal person in the room every time it's happening. And he's just like, all right. And, and, yes, and, I know. I have them all. Kind of like Michael York. He's just like a straight character trying to do his job. Yeah. And there's something so funny in this world. That's true. Where he's like, I'm just trying to do my job. I'm 100% committed to this. And like, it's not silly. It's my it's what I do. And I know I'm a what's team happening. member. It's so good. Yeah. If you've never seen The Grinder, the wonderful, woefully canceled Rob Lowe, Fred Savage movie, uh, TV series, excuse never me, on seen Fox. It. It's amazing. What's it about? Sandwiches? I wish. I do love sandwiches. But no, Rob Lowe plays a TV lawyer who goes back to his hometown to join his brother and father's law firm. So his brother, Fred Savage, is like a normal lawyer guy, and, and Rob Lowe is uh, this TV a lawyer. Grinder. Just crazy. He called The what? Grinder. He's called The Grinder. That's his TV lawyer name. Okay. I was it's gonna... amazing. It's good. It's like his performance in that, the only analog I can think of is Hugh Grant in Paddington 2, where Rob Lowe is playing a Rob Lowe type, and it's very funny. That's good. Yeah, Paddington 2. But we got home Great from... From dinner, we went out to a lovely meal. Yeah. The Dreamway Lodge here. Dreamway Lodge. Back at Massachusetts. And we got home to my mom finishing uh, Paddington 2, and me, Allison, and Charles had to scurry past it because they were building up to the big climactic reveal of Aunt Lucy's visit to London. The which weep scene. Makes me very emotional. Also called the weep scene. I would say that movie has three or four strong weep scene contenders. Yeah. When, when they cut to him in prison and the camera pulls away and he's writing the letter to Aunt Lucy, and he's like, yeah. it's very cold here. I'm yeah. just like, fuck me. Yeah. Let Paddington out of fucking prison. But you knew it was going to be okay. Well, I know, but like that's the magic of Paddington. They can take you all the way down and then drag I you back know. up to the and top. I think that's that movie's so good. It is fantastic. Yeah, I wish they're going to make a third one and then we can do it for the series. Paddington 2... I've never got go thirstier for a trilogy. We need to wait. We need to, we've been talking a lot about series that we're doing. I think we can't do any that are currently in production because we need to wait for them. To the be done. second any of them are done, I'm going to, we're going right. to rush over there. Well, well, there's a lot, a lot of ground to cover in the seventies, eighties, nineties. It's true. So let's, let's go back a little bit. Before. Sounds good. But these Paddington movies, someone's telling me that they were for children. Not true. Well, children, the, children can watch them. It's the British version of childhood fiction, which are so steeped in like bitter reminders of the agony of life. <laughs> where I kind of like it, where they're really preparing you for a life that's going to be full of of real challenges that are like yeah. not cute, but like just staggeringly difficult. It's really great. great but, okay, stuff. so you know we're we're talking about the third Austin Powers movie. This I think was a real rallying way to end a long day. Are you asking when will it end after Goldmember? Well, that's the sad thing is that we know that it technically is over because it's been six, seventeen years since the the third one. I mean, it might come back, but no, I'm like finally feeling like I'm comfortable here, and it is. It's a bittersweet moment, maybe even a weep moment, that I'm finally feeling comfortable. Okay, okay well, let me just sort note of, this. Yes, they. We talked about that, how in the Spy Who Shagged Me they doubled the budget. To like thirty-three something million dollars. This movie closer to seventy million dollars. It looks fantastic. It looks great for Obviously, a seventeen-year-old movie. It looks great. And some of that budget went to the stars. I'm thinking they must have dumped that into the appearances. Yeah, yeah a lot of a lot of cameos. So looking into the future of the series, we've now visited the '60s and the late '90s. Yeah, and now the mid '70s and the early thousands. Right. 
in your mind, what is the logical next? Should we presume that more time travel is to come? And between you and me, it seems like the next logical, between you and me, like there's going to be more time travel. Yeah, I, I just how could they not? It's got to be more. There's time so travel. much fucking time travel. And I think what's going to happen is, especially since it's been almost 20 years since the third one came out, who knows? Maybe they'll go back to 2002. But we haven't touched the 80s at all. They do a throwaway they do a throwaway line joking about the 80s. We never actually get a taste of Austin in the 80s. And while they do the 90s, they do the late 90s as the contemporaneous moment of the first film, not really plumbing the depths of the 90s in a way that from 27, 28, 19, Jesus Christ. Stop what it. year is it? Stop that. What year is That's it? It's awful. We're, we're confused. Talking about time travel. It's confusing. Right. From our vantage point, how could you not do the 90s in full? I think... What would be bold is, has there been a two, have we, they might be the, it could be the first movie that would be actively nostalgic for the 2000s. Like, has that happened yet? Well, here's the, here's something interesting. If you think about it, this is a post 9-11 movie. It obviously was, was written and produced in advance of 9-11, but it is kind of crazy to think about, like, I think they should bring on Nolan to reboot the series. Like a broken, shattered Austin Powers, like, you know, searches for his, his father and it's the ruins. In 9 11? Wow, wow. I don't know. Oh my God. That'd be really hard because I think, technically speaking, the movie's set in 2002. So they really, it may be canonically in the Austin Powers world, 9 11 never happened. That's, yeah, I mean, because, I mean, it is a nonsense world. They don't address it in the post 9 11 movie. So maybe we're to believe that it didn't happen. Wow, that would be really cool. Can you imagine a world that didn't happen? Where Tim oh. Robbins was president, the Cold War was over. Wow. No 9-11. No 9-11. Wow. I'm just thinking about it right now. Oh, here's something about this movie. Oh, sorry. They, they what? go to Japan, and it, it stays primarily not that racist. Is it ever racist? Honestly, the I, most racist, I think, is the beginning when the two Japanese... The, the twins are trying to seduce him. But I think it's racist because they just misspell Fook. Right? That's not how you spell fuk in Japanese or transliterated. It would be F-U-K. Well, okay, so the joke is in the, in the now classic paradigm of the Austin Powers movies from Robin Swallows to, uh, you know, yeah, Felicity Shagwell. Everyone's got a very randy name. Randy. And these two Japanese twins named Fook Me and Fook You appear to seduce Austin at the beginning of this movie. That just sounds like a Chinese name, I believe. I'm not going to get into this spelled. one. I'm going to stand on the sidelines. You're going to stay out. Cool. You know I'm, ju- I, I'm jumping in. I just don't know enough. I believe I know like there's some authors that have names that are like Fuki Fukuyama. That's all F U. I believe they fucked up. They, they might have fucked up even. If we're talking about the transliteration of an Asian name in Austin Powers Three, I'm willing to believe that they may have not gone entirely by the book. Right. Yeah. But I can't even think of any. I don't know. Maybe it's because I wasn't paying attention. But there, I think they dealt with him being in Japan much better than say. You only live twice, did so. Oh yeah, oh for sure. Yeah, yeah. like he but didn't for, get his eyes taped back or oh, whatever, God, and yeah. just just shaved or whatever. So awful. That movie has some great stuff in it, but wow, the the bad stuff is awful. It was my favorite when I was a kid. Well, the helicopter is super cool, and the ending where they go into the volcano, the volcano, and then the, the ninjas come down through the repelling yeah, dude, cable. That fuck, so that's sick. sick. Here's, I mean, but also like, racism towards Asian people is like still so permissible in our culture. Yeah. I think of, of of any culture who still on a regular basis gets the shit end of the stick of representation as Asian people. And I was definitely flinching, being like, oh, God, they're going to go to Japan. Right. It's going to be like... It's going to be a nightmare. Right. But no, they, they and, by and large, avoid it. And it was very funny because they yeah. used the subtitles effectively, but it didn't even make fun of the way he was talking. 
It was really great. The ela- the elaborate subtitles bit. Yeah, I remember from seeing it in theaters, and I love it. Yeah, that's really funny. That was, was really good, good. That was good shit. And he's like, "Wait, I could just talk in English." And they're like, "Oh yeah, that, we wouldn't have to misread your subtitles." It was, it's funny. It yeah. was. It was. Great. It's delightful. So yeah, I think maybe yeah, sub- the sumo wrestlers, as far as I know, weren't made fun of. Yeah, it was, pre- it was pretty good. No, it was, again, which is a weird like that's one of those hurdles where I was almost we ready for certain it. it was going to like stumble into something really awful. But no, they, they avoid it. So good for you, Mike. Yeah. So it's uh, the high hopes for the next one where they, you know, they they they're they're already learning about how to not dehumanize people. Everyone was treated very well in this movie, and it was nice to just watch it rather than cringe at so much. That was the biggest problem. With number two is that so many just not just the jokes were cringeworthy, but just like the way they were dealing with people was really just hard to watch. Well, I'm, I'm hoping that if there is indeed an Austin Powers four. Given the the huge failure of the Love Guru and the almost two decades since this movie came out, I'm hoping that he's going to approach it with that hunger again, where he's not going to have the sort of callous King of the World vibe of the spy who shagged me, but sort of this going back to maybe some sort of I'm, I'm going to try to have this more be like a heartwarming tale, not like a smug tale. Well, especially if we've learned anything from the Shrekverse, where almost every movie was like a heartwarming, but it was a hard traveled road about problems in your life, but it wasn't. It was like very heartfelt about how to actually be there for people. So I think Mike Myers down deep has a good heart. A good heart. A okay, good, the thing is, sexy the, the parallels heart. between this and Shrek Three are huge. Yeah, like, for us, Shrek Three was. I'm sure as the series go on, canonically, Shrek Three is a pivotal turning point movie that works. When you think it, there's no way it's going to work. It's fantastic, the best of the series. Same thing here. It's a pivotal moment. They close out the original trilogy with a really strong movie with a lot of heart, and a lot of it's about fatherhood. Yeah, I want to talk to you about like, you know, the, this big introduction at the end of the movie that Doctor Evil is indeed the brother. Of Mike Myers, yeah. of Austin Powers. What did you think? Did you buy that? Did you like that? I loved it. Okay. I thought it was really great. And of course, the whole thing is nonsense, like with the car blowing up. But I love that they used his backstory, like from the speech he gave in the first movie, as it's like it tracks. They never just say, oh, that was a lie or made up. Like he actually was adopted by these people that he says he was and beaten into being evil. They used that. And then it just turns out that they were separated at birth. And, like, connecting them together, I think it does show that they're two sides of the same coin. Well, I've shared this with you in the past. It's one of my favorite quotes ever. But it's from Bobcat Goldthwaite about his, his movie A Dog Story or Dog's Tale. I can't remember what it's called. But this movie about this, this person who reveals to her partner her darkest sexual secret that she once fucked a dog. Oh. And Bobcat's quote about the movie is that in other people's movies, a joke like that's a throwaway joke. But in my movies, the whole movie's then about someone who's fucked a dog. Like, we really get into it. Yeah. So I love that that this throwaway speech from the first movie <laughs> yeah. is actually like a huge emotional core of the third movie. I like that they really yeah. get, they dig into it. We see the flashback of his parents multiple times, of his, of his like, whatever. <laughs> his Belgian they, father and his yeah. French 15-year-old webfoot prostitute mother. Yeah, we see them a couple times. They recovered times. a blood-soaked baby from the side of the road, that old chestnut. And it wasn't even that, like, he gave one of them up. Like, he lost his wife. Nigel Powers. Michael Nigel Kane's Powers. Character. Loses his wife and thinks he also loses one of his sons and finds Austin on this blasted away and saves him and then somehow realizes later that, I don't know how he realizes that I guess he's a spy. He can figure that shit out. Well, there's a lot of questions. Like the, 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 at times in these movies, people just appear 
out of nowhere with information that we cannot suss out how they got. They're Who spies. Cares? They're spies. They're Whatever. spies. They know shit. So, okay, like in Shrek 3, in Austin Powers 3, we also go back to a high school young person setting. Oh, that's true. Right. So I was interested in, did you like the representation of, now all of a sudden they retcon the entire series so that Dr. Evil, Basil Exposition, Austin Powers went to this elite spy boarding school together. I love how fucking completely dick swinging, doesn't give a shit this move is. It makes no sense. Makes no sense. I think Michael York introduces himself to Austin Powers in the first movie. Oh, and number two is there, too. Yeah. It's like everyone just is all of a sudden has the same high school experience, which I love. It was very fun. It shows the elasticity and the, like, the contours of this world, which just bends to whatever. Even Shrek has a slightly more sturdy universe. Shrek? I don't know if it's because it's a kid's movie or it was made later, but it holds much more rigidly to its universe. Right. This is so fluid, which gives me hope for four. But anyways, so did you like that return to like now we're seeing the high school version of many of these characters? I liked it for a lot of reasons. I liked it because we got to see that joke again. It made sense in the context, but it like kept popping up. It wasn't just like a throwaway joke. It became the obviously like... Well, we're going to, it might have been incepted by the joke. Like, oh, I have this joke about flashing back to the same situation in high school. But they're like, wait, we could use that joke and like build a world out of it. And I think that's what we're finally getting in this movie that wasn't there. They weren't just like haphazardly throwing people into times. They were maybe initially being like, all right, we'll do it, go to this high school thing. We'll go to the 70s. But they then used all that time to make space for a story, make place for people. I think it's all working. I entirely agree. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like... So this time, Dr. Evil's main headquarters is a massive submarine. It looks like it looks him. looks like him. It's so funny. And it be, be shits out a little a little tractor beam. Yeah, the, now the joke is that the thing's called... The, the, uh, the Preparation H is going to suck a gold meteor to destroy the Earth. I didn't get that joke. Preparation H is something you put if you have hemorrhoids. Right. So the joke is that like when 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 Scott when Scott Evil says it, preparation H feels good on the whole, it's a joke about. Bombs. Okay, so they just wanted to make a butt joke. Well, like when Tom Arnold says that you're gonna blow out your O ring in the first movie. Yeah, but that just like made sense to me. It's true. Tom Arnold just delivers. maybe preparation H is just not something I've had too much contact with. In it's my it's life. another brand and context heavy joke that's gonna age very poorly. Right. And also, we didn't really mention this. in the second one. There's so many '90s jokes that just are so trapped in a prison forever. Like Vanilla Ice and Gary Coleman get like it's like shattered out. It's crazy. Yeah. Okay, in this one on the submarine, I think one of my favorite bits of the the this movie's Doctor Evil failing to sit down on a seat correctly from the first movie, which is like the funniest thing in the first movie, when they drop the globe from the roof <laughs> yeah, of the that thing was good. onto his head and then hit him in the balls with the gold <laughs> meteor model. I live for that stuff. <laughs> And yet, so at this point in the viewing, just so everyone knows, Josh's voice was really hurting. So he had chosen to enact himself. He was silent throughout the entire movie. And he was trying so hard to be quiet and not just speak and erupt into a loud, boisterous laugh. And it was really like a funny to watch him. Like he was so tight with joy. It was really beautiful. Because that scene is very funny. And then it ends with him saying, Trying, trying, let me find my penis, basically. No, 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 let me find my balls. One, yeah. two, three, good. All there. Yeah. Which is another great little thing they just drop into the movie. Dr. Evil's yeah. three testicles. They don't <laughs> ever draw attention to it again. It's great. We have a lot to cover in the last couple of minutes. I do want to talk about Goldmember just a little bit and his yes. and his performance. Okay, so I, I was prepared for Goldmember having seen the movie 17 years ago. Yeah. I was really wondering how much of it would work 
this far later. There's a lot of stuff with Goldmember. A it's, lot of it. And it's all fabricated. It's based on nothing, which is cool because like all these characters What's your Doctor Evil's now becoming Canadian? Like it's everything is shifting. Like when they flash back to movie one, and like you hear him, he literally says the same line twice. They sound so different. The movie, the world is coming together, and I think this is working. I think the movie is allowing for Doctor Evil to be a Canadian, and it's it's all these things that are now making sense. The world is coming together finally, and we now have this new Dutch man who makes absolutely no sense, and I love him. Yeah. I love gold. <laughs> his voice, every, his, his antics. The, way, the fact that he's like. <laughs> toy, like a toy guy. He's what, like 70 years old but can kick behind his neck. And the, the like, skin eating is what I remembered the most from my Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Like I was gagging at that. It he just works. eats his own dried skin. Ooh, that's a keeper. It is definitely the craziest thing in the movie because it is absolutely even the him being able to flex his legs behind his head it's like well he's a disco guy he's rollerblading I kind of get that him eating his own skin throughout the movie is so upsetting (laughs) and so strange yeah it It has no role in anything comes from nowhere he has a little box for it it's uh and it's it's elaborate it's so elaborate and it works and I think that's what they, they know maybe one of them went to creative writing school and learned that the details are where the heart of the story lives so to have a character that you can be repulsed by his little looks very specific uh, I don't even know what obsession well it's unforgettable anxiety induced rules that behave where he behaves behind his life it's unforgettable it's beautiful and he works and I think we learn that you can absolutely make fun of European people. Don't make oh, fun of great. little people. Don't make fun of fat people. Make fun of European make people. Make fun of French people. They're make fun funny. of the Dutch. Make fun of Italians. Belgians. They're bad people. They're not good. And they're funny to make fun of. And I, One of Michael Caine's lines is just like... There's only two people that I hate in the world. People who are intolerant and the Dutch. And the Dutch. And, and it's, it's a great a joke. Line. Great yeah. joke. Well delivered. So and, and the whole joke is just seems to me that Mike Myers picked the Dutch. That's it. There's nothing... There's no pre-existing thoughts about uh, – uh, you said it was fabricated. It, he truly pulls something out of nowhere. Nowhere. And it's amazing. And I think that's what he maybe learned. Maybe not – he just learned that you shouldn't make fun of a group that's already being made fun of. But you can make fun of the Dutch because no one even knows really who they are. Well, it's a kind of punching down that's like weirdly brilliant. It's not even punching down. It's punching nowhere because the Dutch have like, <laughs> especially as an American, like, I don't know what the fucking Dutch do. I don't know who they are. They're a tiny little country. Are they Holland? Maybe. No one knows. No one knows. No one knows. Who gives a shit? They're just They got these, wooden shoes. They got shoes. They got windmills. They got roses or something. I don't know. Who fucking Tul- cares? Tulips, I believe, is their Yeah, thing. tulips. Yeah, yeah they're so, like, who fucking gives a shit? They're rich European. Maybe. I don't know. They gotta be. They're European. They have this like they, they have, isn't the Hague and something like they're national. I think that's in the Netherlands. That's not in the Netherlands. Maybe. I think it is. I think it's. I don't know. Who fucking cares? No one cares. Make it's fun Europe. of them. Who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? Yeah, and it's funny because like you see, with a character like Fat Bastard, Myers is leaning in so hard. Like it's just such a thing. And Doctor Evil and Austin Powers, like with with Goldmember, he can just do whatever. Right. And and it's great. It's, the the beauty of Goldmember is that he seems he doesn't seem evil so much as like 
in his own universe and just doing things for his own purposes, it's kind of hard to tell what his motivation exactly. is. Exactly, I was just, He's just to like, say that. Like, I think everyone else is bound to like a very specific archetype, and Goldmember really can just do whatever he wants. He, do you think this influenced Heath Ledger's performance in The Dark Knight? Undoubtedly. Yeah, like we have this wild card character yeah. that is not behaving by the rules. He doesn't have a role. He's not a good guy. He's not a bad guy. He's a menace. Yeah. Yeah. He's just a, a freaky Dutch fucking menace. weirdo. Yeah. And like, I think like it's, it's cool because like Dr. Evil, his idea is like we're going to take this evil archetype and just make it like cartoonish and bizarre. But with Goldmember, it, it's truly off the wall. The, the sense of humor has – it's I don't know. We're going in a circle here. But I love Goldmember. He works against all the odds. And you know what? I don't even want him to come back. No, one and done for him. I think where I'm satisfied. He was perfect. And I pray that for as a fresh start with Scott Evil, I would just love it to be a brand new fresh start. I yeah. So let's 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 spend some time. What's what do we if we are done with the series, we will be watching the Love Guru. That'll be our bonus for this bonus uh, Austin Powers series. Because to understand Mike Myers, we have to see his next huge swing at a character that is critically and we could even consider him to be a small bit character in Austin Powers one. He, he, does he, lays show up twice. he lays the seeds. He lays the seeds. Yeah. But so like, what do we, if there is going to be a four, what do we want from this? Like, what, what where are we, is there, okay, do so we want this to end? Do we Scott, want this to keep I, I going? Don't, I want Austin Powers four. Me too. I think he it's settles so into a groove that works in three. And I'm like, there is enough momentum here for a four. Now, again, almost 20 years later, God knows what that's going to look like. Here's what I want. What? At? I don't want Mike Myers as Austin Powers. I want somebody else. I want this to do a bond. I want a new actor to take the helm and see what happens. How, how do you feel about a Kingsman Austin Powers crossover? I like it. They're very similar. I like it. Yeah. That would be great. And like in Kingsman, well, obviously, it's only, it's only a twofer right now. Kingsman 2 is a terrible movie. Very awful. Similar to you know the Austin Powers thing, I think you have this like breakout surprise hit and then you get too comfortable, and and it just sucks. Yeah, uh, Kingsman Two is a disaster. I hate that movie. I never even Mark it. Strong, who's like the British Stanley Tucci. Yeah, that's, that's high exactly praise. Who he is? Okay. Yeah, and he they sucks. even ruin him in that. Sings John Denver and blows up. Who gives a fuck? Okay, that character affectation is just like Sam Neill in The Hunt for Red October, who's like, I love Nebraska. I will yeah. move to Nebraska. Yeah, like, it's like it's corny and dumb, and yeah. I hate it. That, like, that's like, not a. It's not a scab picking flesh falling right? off detail. That's, that's crazy. A, the Nebraska, the John Denver shit. Like that's you can obviously tell he threw it in, pretending it's a detail. It has no reality. No, not like a flake of skin coming off your shoulder and you stick it in your mouth. Yeah, and that's an eccentric doctor with a gold penis is amazing. That's a key. Anyways, so no, what I'm interested in is like Scott Evil's whole thing the entire time is like, Dad, your plans are fucking shitty. You're an idiot. You can never get it done. Just kill him. Yeah. And I'd love to see it in Austin Powers where not like a, you know, a, 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 a grim, dark, brutal Austin Powers, but maybe a little bit more of that where like he's facing some slightly higher stakes a little bit. Or I don't know. Would that kill the tone of the whole series? I don't know. No, I think it could work. Okay. I think we were joking when we were watching two and so disappointed that Lars von Trier, like if this had been directed by Lars von Trier, it would actually be funny. Incredible. And yeah. weird and brutal because it would actually be like gross sex scenes, actual violence, like stuff that would actually fuck with you because Austin Powers has that potential. But no, now that we actually have met the world or feel good in the world, I wouldn't mind another Jay Roach film. Bring back Jay. Get Jay on the The Roachman. Uh, I, I think getting a whole new cast of people that could embody the spirit of these characters now that we know them, but could 
it would just be hard because he's Mike Myers is such a part of it. But I don't think I think you can recast. I don't think I th- that whole gimmick of having like four actor four characters played by the same actor. We don't need that. I would love to see a different actor play these characters that are now so connected. Like, yeah. Oh, that's why they look the same because they're brothers. It's like, oh wait, that actually makes Mike Myers playing both characters a little less important. Like, let's just fuck it up. Let's get new characters. Let's get new actors. I keep seeing an Ed Norton type in these movies. Yes, that's what I want. Yeah, and Ed- he's a guy that when you give him t- funny shit, he is funny. Oh yeah, he'd be great. We could get a a ham. Get a ham in there. Ham would be great. I think a ham is like a shitty Felix Unger type, like you know the, the Bond CIA equivalent. I would love a John Ham playing like a bumbling American. And you know, Idris Elba was not not allowed to be Bond. Yeah, get him For in his Austin. Very legitimate reasons. Get him in his Austin. Get him in his Austin. Yeah, he was ready to be. Is Austin. America ready for a black Austin Powers? I say yes. I say yes. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's, this is all pipe dreams at this point. Donald Glover, I bet, would have a, an amazing take on this kind of thing. That'd be so fun. I'd love that. So many great people could be playing Austin. Sure. So many people could be playing Bond or sorry, Powers girls slash boys. Um, just get Michael Caine back. That's yeah, you must have Michael Caine back. Must Nigel have. Powers is a is a killer addition to the series. Yeah. I love him. Must have Michael Caine. Yeah. No one, or I guess you could have someone else do a Michael Caine impression the whole time. That sure, could be Coogan. That could be very funny. Yeah, get Coogan to just be, pretend <laughs> to be game. Michael yeah. Caine the entire time. Yeah, that could work. Well, with, with that being said, I guess we're going to sing "Bon Voyage" to the Austin Powers verse. The uh, Austin Powers verse is it? No, no, no. It's fuck it. That was, that I'm was, doing. I'm no, doing. I'm saying, I know, and I agree. That sucked. Austin Throw Powers me a freaking bone Throw here. Throw me a freaking bone here. Austin Power Powerverse. That's pretty good. Austin. Oh, behave. Oh, behave. Okay, so all of you out there, please keep behaving. This has been When Will It End, a movie series podcast. Can we say, so I'm going to say When Will It End, like, you want to do Austin Powers or you want to be Dr. Evil? I'll do Dr. Evil. Okay. One will end, baby. baby. That's terrible. Yeah, Fuck we'll me. do it separately. Okay, separately. You go, go ahead. Okay, I'll ask you. Okay. Are you ready for the end, baby? When will it end, baby? <laughs> we didn't talk about the rap scene. <laughs> <laughs> you hated it. You hated it. Well, that's the end. <laughs> Another podcast from Josh and Charles Productions, as always, produced by Josh Landis and edited by Charles Hobby. The song at the front end are from Waste Management, so if you like them, check them out. And if you liked us, please rate and review us on iTunes. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all those, all as WWIE Podcast. If you want to send us an email for any reason, really any reason, shoot it over at WWIEPodcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we hope we made you horny.